Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Hello coders and welcome to another How to Code Well podcast. Today we're going to be talking about personal development and training in web development. I'm joined by Jeremy Onion. Jeremy, how are you doing? Have you had a good week? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks mate. I had a really good week. Busy, as always. Uh, it's it's uh, luckily cooled down now since we had the very, very hot weather a couple of weeks ago, so it's much more comfortable now. Yeah, yeah, it has been pretty hot. It has been pretty hot and, and you've been uh, travelling around, haven't you, doing some training? Yes, so- um, for some reason on the hottest day of the year so far, I was stuck in <laughs> Wembley Stadium of all places. Fantastic venue, but when it's hot, it's really hot. Nice. Particularly with the public transport getting there and back. It was a bit of a nightmare. So that was what, trains and stuff like that you were on? Yeah. So, so yeah. So it was a train into London, then one up to Wembley Stadium uh, from London. Um, and in the morning, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. It was, it was quite, quite nice. But in the afternoon, once we'd finished the training and I got on the train, um, the first one from Wembley actually to the train station was really nice. The air conditioning was working. <laughs> so I walked, walking into a, one of those big fridges, um, <laughs> supermarkets. So I sat down and I thought, oh, I can get used to this. Yeah. And then, and then unfortunately the one after that from London back up to Oxford wasn't the same. I think I lost about four stone in sweat on the trip back then. Right. Okay. So is the <laughs> nice, lively. <laughs> so, um, was it was it was it a single day or more than one day? Um, this was just a single day. So I was actually down there doing some training on Google Cloud, um, right. being um, all put on by Google themselves uh, with one of their training partners. Um, so it was just looking at the Google Cloud offering and um, details on the services and how you go about using them, things like that. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and was that, uh, was the, the presentations where people were demonstrating various things or, I mean, what was the format? Yeah, it, it was, ma- it was mainly presentation led. So, yeah. um, it was all, uh, they had, uh, specialist trainers there who were taking you through, um, the, the, these are the products, these are the problems they solve, and this is how you'd go about doing it, setting up, solving it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, there was, um, a, uh, the option to, then go away and do some further training, um, actually using the platform as well, using um, Quick Labs, um, okay. which is one of their preferred training partners. Yeah, yeah, okay. So was there anything that you could that you took away from that in terms of a physical thing to say that you had done that? Yeah, so there was, um, there was a, um, I got a, cert- a certificate of um, attendance uh, mm-hmm. for that one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but it's also acts as part of the journey towards certification if you want to do that. So okay. this, this acts as kind of a catalyst for the initial yeah. overview of the platform um, that you then use to go ahead and get the, um, the cloud professional certification yeah. um, in that area. And is that something that you're, you're thinking of doing? Um, it is, um, probably for that one and also working towards the AWS cloud certifications as well. So, okay. um, making sure I'm on both sides. Yeah. Of yeah. Yeah. Riding that yeah. fence. Yeah. Overall basis. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. That sounds really good. Um, what, um, what kind of things would you be doing? Um, if you went on that journey, um, what, what, what other things would you be learning and stuff? 
Okay, so um, in terms of the uh, the Google Cloud product, they've got a number of different uh, types of certification depending on what area you're in. Um, it's pretty much the same for AWS as well. Um, so the sort of stuff in my role that I'm looking at are things like solution architecture, uh, the infrastructure. Um, I have um, speaking with the AWS stuff because mm. um, I know more about that. Uh, I also have um, guys uh, that work for me that are going to be doing the uh, developer um, certification mm. and the um, the um, sysops and devops certifications as well. Right. Um, and um, a lot of that is going to be based around um, structure led training. Mm-hmm. Um, so familiarity with the platform. Right. So it's um, to to get these certifications. It's the same with Google as it is with AWS. You have to have a very very solid understanding um, of the products uh, mm. within the platform, mm. and that the certification is showing that you you have a level of comprehension about the platform. Um, yeah. Okay. I get that. I get that. What What is the benefit of having said certification in in this industry? Um, it's, uh, there's twofold. A, your salary goes up quite nicely when right. you have these sort of certifications. Um, but I, I think the key thing for people is it, it shows that it's not just you saying that you have this level of understanding about a topic. It shows that somebody else has said, yeah, we've you know, tested them in, in whatever way, shape or form that is. Mm-hmm. And they do have, they genuinely do understand this technology. They have this understood baseline level of mm. knowledge of products. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that somebody is going to be um, very experienced and very quick to build solutions using this, um, because that, that's a completely different thing. Mm. Um, but it does mean that they at least have a understanding and an overview of, you know, in terms of either Google or um, AWS, they understand what the services are, how they hang together, wh- when you would use what, Mm. Um, and how you go about creating these things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I, I, yeah. I definitely get that. I definitely get that. The, um, that having that sort of ability and knowledge, that level of knowledge and understanding from, from a very specific, uh, of a sp- very specific thing. I know that, uh, AWS and, um, I would imagine cloud, uh, Google as well, th- those kind of things, th- there's so much involved that for anyone who isn't aware of what AWS is, if they were just to look at the AWS console, it would just be a complete bag of, uh, black box. It would just be, you know, what does SQS yeah. mean? What does, what does a, yeah. a load balancer do? I mean, yeah, these, yeah. these well, are, they, they, I mean, there are very much two, there's, there's two uh, facets to that as well. There is the, you know, what, what are these services? Mm. So, mm. um, you'll have the service on one provider, maybe called one thing on another provider. It might be called another thing. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, you've got that then level. Okay. This is what it is at an abstract level. It's a load balancer. It's mm. a, message queue system it is a messaging bus mm. it's a pub sub system um and then the second part is well how do we string these things together and that's mm. where a you've got an extra level of understanding needs to be there yeah um and the the certification process uh, for both of them actually build on um mm. from each other so you'll have a basic level which will explain these are the services these are types of use cases you'll have another level where it will go more in depth into this is how our best practice idea of how you hang these things together are. Okay. And so you again get it, gain a deeper understanding um, of how these services interact and what you can do and how you can use them. Um, 
which may spark you down certain roads of thinking, well, if I can do that with that and I can do with that with that, you can start doing this with this and you know, take you off over there. Mm. Um, but it is, it is very much about uh, gauging a level of understanding mm. and not necessarily a level of experience. Um, sure. This is where I get quite, um, I'm in two minds very much about the whole certification uh, system. Um, if we put it that way, uh-huh. uh, to, to my mind, it, you've got two two things uh, for any developer when you're working in well web dev or any other area. Uh-huh. Um, developers are developers, whether you have your tool use um, is desktop, web, you know, systems, uh, service systems. Uh-huh. Um, it's all development at the end of the day, and you have comprehension and competence. Um, so your comprehension is, do I understand the subject matter? Do I understand about load balancers, about the you know, machine learning um, services that are, that are there? Do I, do I actually understand this? Do I have a theoretical knowledge of this and understand what these things are and how they work? Right. And then you've got competence, which is, can I actually use these things? Now, you can gain the competence without necessarily doing the comprehension part, because if you're actively using these products on a day-by-day um, basis, you can probably string them together. You're probably being able to get the results you want yeah. without necessarily having that initial understanding of what's going on under the hood. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally dig that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. Um, yeah, when I started learning PHP, it was like I didn't really understand what these functions did. I just knew that if I strung them together, they did this. Right, but I didn't. I didn't know what an array was when I started. <laughs> mm-hmm. it, um, yeah, it so follows into other things like um, even you know if you if you're doing something like say JavaScript, working with maybe React mm. or Vue.js mm. or something like that, then you'll be exposed to good solid um, object-oriented design principles and things like that because of the way the framework's constructed. Sure. However, if you ask someone to explain what's dry what's solid, mm-hmm. what's dependency injection, all these things, they're probably going to look at you blank and say, oh, I'm got a clue. And of course... When you ask them, how do you get the database yeah. uh, abstraction in, you know, how do you use that within your model? Yeah. They'll probably they'll say, oh, you do this. Yeah. But they won't necessarily know why or what that's called or why it's done that way. They just know, well, that's what I do and that's how I do it. And of course, on the flip side of that, you can know what it is and not mm-hmm. know how to do it. In, you know, yes. you, you, you can, you, you know, the theory as you've, as you've yeah. said, but you, you might not have that experience. Exactly. And there are, I've seen, you know, I've, I've worked with um, code bases where you can see the person understood a concept mm-hmm. like abstraction, mm-hmm. but it's then taken to the nth degree. And because of the lack of experience, mm. it's overuse of a concept or underuse of a concept. Mm. So you can see, well, I can understand how they got there because I understand the theory of what they're trying to achieve. But the practice, you know, the experience is obviously slightly lacking there because you, you can see they, you know, they've not quite nailed it or they've not quite grasped it fully um, when, to, you know, when applying it in a practical sense. Definitely. And, yeah. Uh, this, so this is where you got the two sides of it. And um for me, um, laughing about this before, but for me, um, Scott, who was the uh, last podcast that was released before we've recorded this, uh, so that's Scott Ambler, who's um, the guy from the Agile um, uh, company, mm-hmm. uh, was saying about these three-day courses where you can't you can't become a scrum master in three days. 
And I think it's exactly that. You can get a certification to say that you understand and you, you know, you have the tools, Mm -hmm. you understand the tools to do a Mm. role, but Mm. that experience is also key as well. Mm. After, you know, you have to have both. Um, I know with, certainly with the AWS certifications, they suggest that to get a certain certification, you should have a certain amount of time of experience. Um, to my knowledge, they don't, you know, there's no way of ensuring that that is definitely the case. Um, so as long as you understand, you know, all the, the products well, mm-hmm. well enough to reach that level, mm-hmm. there is, I don't, well, I'm not aware that there is a component that says that you have to have been working with the technology for X um, number of months or years. However, to be able to answer the questions, you probably are going to have to have that level of in-depth knowledge. Um, but mm. with, with other certifications, uh, it may not be the same. And also it depends on the certification as well, because obviously you've got work, those WordPress certifications available, Drupal ones, QJS, mm. and very much like Scott said as well, it also depends on who's issuing the certificate. Yes. Um, Yes. And understanding what the certificates are, because, uh, for example, with Drupal, you've got, um, you, you know, you've got Grand Wizard, you've also got Site Builder and things like that. Now, if you're a Site Builder, that doesn't necessarily mean that you are a, um, a, a coder or a developer at a high level. You are still a developer. You are still doing the development role. However, mm. your tool is actually configuring and setting up Drupal and utilizing what's there as opposed to writing custom modules, which falls more under the uh, Drupal Master and Drupal Grandmaster certification. Mm. So there is, certainly for me as, as a manager, there is there's needing to understand exactly what, okay, there's a certification. What does that actually show that they have knowledge of? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, just thinking back to some of our previous podcasts, this is the third one that you've been on. Uh, we did yes. a whole, whole podcast. I'll, I'll put links to those uh, in the show notes below, but uh, mm. the, the one we did previously, we were talking about uh, CVs and, and uh, cover yeah. letters and, and, uh, and, and uh, career progression and all that good stuff. I guess from that perspective, when someone says that they have a certification on a CV, it's then you, you then need to go through a level of investigation as to, well, what, what, what does that mean? Um, yeah. And, and, and how, how long ago was that certification? Um, yeah. And, and what, yeah. what does it cover and what's, what's the level of, um, how in depth does that go? Yeah. Um, so as, as examples, when I've been looking for people to build DevOps roles, um, there, it's possible to get, um, certification in Jenkins, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of that, of that but CloudBees actually do do a Jenkins mm-hmm. certification. Um, and there are various other ones. So yeah, it's, it's a case of understanding what, you know, what was, you know, what, what was the syllabus? What yep. level did it go into? And, you know, what, what value does that actually add to them? And obviously there is a, a bit of a trade-off and it, it's kind of back to this whole, you know, do you need to have gone to university to be a developer? Yeah. Yeah. No, you yeah. don't. Definitely don't. Um, Josh can attest to that. That's the guy <laughs> who went from the call center to, um, to coder. Um, myself, um, I also never went to university. Um, I kind of found my way in. Um, you, you don't need to, but there is a, um, there is a, um, a missing element um, if you've not gone that more formalized education route mm-hmm. where theory sometimes can be missing. Mm-hmm. I was quite lucky because when I was getting into the industry, 
there were, you know, a lot of the, the only books you could get dealt with a lot of things like database abstraction, normalization, all those sort of things that was still part and parcel of the whole development process. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, now there are so many, you know, with YouTube, um, things like Udemy and, um, YouTube videos and stuff like that. Um, no disrespect to anybody that, that does those sort of videos, but they can sometimes gloss over some of the theory that you might get mm-hmm. and some of the faces you'll get if you're doing an instructor lab, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, course as well. So, um, things like code school and Udemy are, are good and they have their place. Um, I've used them myself to good effect as well. Um, but they will only teach you exactly what's shown, one way to do it. And because of the style of course it is, it can only go to a certain level. Mm-hmm. If you have questions, you then start to have to look elsewhere to do that. Mm. Whereas if you're doing things like instructor-led training, which is uh, obviously what I was doing um, with Google, um, I've got more training coming up with um, other providers um, to help me with the certification. You have it, actually have the chance to ask questions of either the people you're, you're learning with, and that's always a fantastic environment to be in when you've got a whole group of you. They're all learning the same thing together because you can bounce ideas off of each other. You can, you know, if you if you're too worried about hand, holding up your hand and asking a question, which can be scary to anybody. Mm. Um, like, I know um, from both sides of the fence, both from you know doing um, presentations and that, and also being sat there, mm. you know, one thing, oh, am I daft for not getting this? Well, you know, he's not explained that. Mm. Um, you can always turn to the person next to you and say, you know, do you, you know, do you, um, you know, what, you know, what's he talking about? What does this mean? Yeah. Or you can. You, you can actually ask the the instruction, uh, which gives you that you know that that extra bit of um, can help you get that extra bit of understanding you need if you've not quite understood something. Um, and also, if you're doing labs or you know, you're actually doing coursework as part of the course, mm. um, they can make sure that your understanding is actually solid. Because I might see a YouTube t- tutorial, mm. I might go away and do something thinking, well, that's kind of what he did, so this must be the way to do it, mm. and then. Later on, I'll, I'll find out that nah, that's the daft way to do it. You didn't really understand what he was getting at. You, what you, you know, the, your missing bit of mm. understanding is this, and it should really be done this way. Am I am I right in thinking that these certifications are are like a totally different level to um, to Udemy self teaching? Uh, are they more specific? Are the people in that in that uh, class are, have they already decided the path that they wish to take? And have they have they are they do they have a, a bigger level of experience than say someone who just wants to see if they are if they could be a coder and just try out a Udemy course? I, I would say not necessarily. I'd say it's the, the, one of the key things with the certification is it's far more rigorous in right. assessing your understanding of the to- topic. Mm-hmm. So you could complete the Udemy course. You could have, um, I mean, um, certainly with, with Code School, which is the one I'm more used to, mm-hmm. you could put all sorts of stuff into the code editor. Mm-hmm. And as long as you got the right result at the end of it, that's good enough. So okay. there's there's no there's there's only testing to make sure that you're actually able to produce the result that's needed, mm. not necessarily that your methodology for doing so is correct. I see. Whereas if you're doing a, certific- a certification, the same as if you're doing a degree or something like that, you're actually being ass- assessed not just on the outcome, but on the steps that get you there as well. Um, in fairness, when you're doing things like the AWS certification, they are uh, computer timed, 
multiple choice questions. Mm. But when you've got four options and the, the difference between them is just one word, and you've got to work out exactly which one is correct for, for the question, they, they, they really do go to a level of detail in terms of testing your knowledge. Mm. And I think that, that's mm. the key thing. It's actually something that, uh, with Udemy and something like that, they're great to, you know, to get a feel for something and, and to understand it, but they're not going to, you can't say, I've done this Udemy course, therefore I am a, you know, I'm, I'm seen to be an expert in this. Sure. Or have that baseline of knowledge. Yeah. Whereas with certification, you can do. In terms of whether or not it's something you would investigate yourself, it really does depend on your circumstances. Right. Because these it, things are expensive, right? These these things these things are very expensive. They can be very expensive. Yeah. Um certainly for the for the basic so for the for the lowest tier of the AWS certification, you're looking at a hundred dollars. Mm, mm. uh, for the exam fee. That's just for the exam yeah. fee. That's not taking into account any courses you might want to take to do that. Yep. Um, yep. courses can run to two to three thousand pounds. Mm-hmm. Um similar to a boot boot camp or something like that, um, in, in terms of the outlay. So for most people, particularly if you just get if you're just getting into it, you definitely aren't gonna want to spend that. Sure. Uh, you know, if if I if I'm just sort of breaking in, into an industry, I'm not gonna fork out four grand just to get a certification to say I know what I'm doing. Mm. But like I said, it it's that doesn't show experience or competence, it just shows comprehension. Mm. Um, so you will probably find that most of these certifications, hopefully your company would be willing to, you know, to put you through or to help finance. You know? Okay. Um, I know, um, certainly, um, from people I know, they, they've been able to do certifications that might be, you know, the company may not necessarily be up for doing it, but they've, they've said, well, we'll part fund it and you part fund it and things like that. Yeah. So yeah. there are always options there, but certainly, um, there are, Whichever area you're in, so if you're in, you know, if you do front end, back end, full stack, a few more into the DevOps, things like that, there are certifications out there for mm. everybody. Mm. Uh, Zend, for example, do the PHP engineer certifications. Um, I do know of people that have done them off mm. their own back and paid for it themselves. Yeah. Um, but I think you have to be, you'd have to have been in the industry a long time to feel the need for that. Yeah, uh, you're kind of like when you do that kind of stuff, you, you you're kind of invested in it, right? This is this is what I do now for a living, and therefore I am going to be tested on it. Yes. Um, it's not just someone who's just come out of school and gone, I could be a PHP developer, so I'm going to do this Zend thing. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there might be people who've done that before, but this is oh, this is this is um this is more of an intense level of yeah. of, of, of training, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, it is, and it's um, it's it's more rigorous as well. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, with most certifications, people will have to check your um, who you are, who you say you are, so they can make sure it's actually you that did it. Because they are, at the end of the day, their reputation is saying that you have this level of knowledge. That's right. Yeah, yeah. If you if you rock up with this certificate certification and you are know nothing about the subject matter, or come across as knowing nothing about the subject mm-hmm. matter, that doesn't. That kind of devalues the certification then, and people are going to think, oh, well, it's not worth the paper it's printed on. And also some of these certifications, they're, um, they expire, right? So yes. I know with the PHP stuff, you know, it, it obviously gets updated with the, with the Zend yeah. training when PHP gets updated. So yeah. there's no there's no need to be like certified on a PHP 5 level when everyone's in PHP 7. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So you, it, it's a good way of keeping your skills on point. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the same with the with the cloud um, certifications as well. They, um, although luckily Google, um, Amazon, sorry AWS, don't actually um, issue new um, exams every time they change something because they change something every other week. <laughs> um, if you ever listen to the AWS podcast, literally every other week there's an update show and uh-huh. there's normally an hour's worth of updates that they go through rapid fire wow. some of them yeah. are just simple like oh well, there's new instances but nine times out of ten there's at least one or two new services that are available yeah. so you can imagine trying to keep on top of that it can be a full-time job in itself so luckily it's there it's not always the latest greatest it's, it's just the core yeah mm-hmm. the core services and how you use them and then obviously people will keep themselves updated anyway hopefully so let, let's move on to um, just general personal development in in, 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 in web development. I, I probably need to phrase that differently because two words of development together. Um, but <laughs> when you're, when, you know, personal development as a developer, let's say, for example, that I'm not able to do these certifications uh, for yes. some reason whatsoever uh, out of my control. Is there any way I can um, train myself to be more efficient, um, more uh, goal orientated, perhaps to actually achieve the, the 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 target in mind. Is there anything that you, any advice that you can give? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll, I'll I'll kind of split this into two things mm. um, here. So, with the with the initial, um, how do you? So you're, you're not able to find training courses. Um, how do you improve as a developer? How do I, you know, I upscale? How do I make sure that I'm upscaling in the right direction? Mm. Um, things like meetups are invaluable for things like that. So they, I can almost guarantee wherever you are, there will be a local PHP meetup or mm. a, a JavaScript meetup, WordPress meetup, uh, Drupal one. Um, if you if you qualify, the code bar ones are absolutely fantastic. Mm. Um, I've actually uh, been to two. Um, so far, we've got a third one coming up um, this month as well. Um, mm-hmm. We were lucky enough to be able to sponsor some um, some of the Oxford ones. Excellent, uh, that's great company, to hear. So, a quick plug there, but yeah. the pluggies for Cobra themselves, they do do an absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. job. Um, and the key thing there is being able to talk to other developers. I, ideally, you'll find that there are people that are either slightly or a lot further on in the in their journey, and Nowadays, I tend to find most developers are more than happy to help you to mentor people. Mm. You might get the odd one that's not terribly um, socially um, skilled, shall we say? Um, But on the whole, particularly at meetups and things like that, um, all the ones I've been to, everybody's been really welcoming. You know, happy to talk to you, happy to help. Mm. Um, But often, if you take your laptop with you, they'll even give you advice on on your project there and there. Certainly, the WordPress ones I've been to in Oxford, it's been very much based around there'll be a talk and then people will help you with uh, the issues you've got. So use those sort of resources. You know, reach out to people when they're doing office hours. Uh, mm-hmm. I know some of some of the crew on Ladybug do that um, quite often. So you know, you use these personal interactions to you know to ask questions and to, and to get that level of feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of actually being able to to have the discipline to to um, to improve, yeah. Uh, which can be a, a lot more difficult. Well, definitely, work. because you can have the you can have the motivation, but it's 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 having the discipline. It's having that sort of like uh, that that thing that 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 sort of voice on the side of your shoulder saying you shouldn't be 
doing this now. You should be doing that because doing yeah. this is not going to help you progress into whatever it is that you want to achieve. So how yeah. do you get disciplined? There are a couple of um, tricks and techniques that um, I, I either use or I, I know about. Um, the first one, which is one I've used very successfully um, in the past myself, is um, something that's referred to normally as habit setting. Okay. So everybody's probably heard of goal setting. Yeah. So goal setting might be, uh, for example, well, the worst one is I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most people can relate to that either personally or someone they know is, has said, that's it. I'm going to lose weight. Okay. That, that really is not going to help because how much are you going to lose? How are you going to do it? Mm-hmm. When you do it by, you know, as if, if we were talking business speak now, that's not a smart objective. Right. Um, okay. But, but if we pick something a bit more sensible, like, um, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to set a goal. I'm going to complete the couch to 5k course, mm-hmm. you know, that's brilliant. I'm probably going to want to time box that. The couch to 5K is nine weeks, mm-hmm. as you can guess. I've tried to do this a few times myself. Um, so, you know, occasionally I might have to, you know, I might not be able to make the gym or something like that. So I'm going to say 12 weeks' time, I'm going to complete couch to 5K. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've now got this goal. I've got this, this I've got this end, end point that I've got to wait 12 weeks before I get gratification of having completed this. Mm-hmm. That's the first problem. We're doing it that way. So the second problem is, even though I've been, I've, I've been smart. It's measurable. It's obtainable. It's realistic. It's time box. Yeah, all, you know the you, you know the acronym. <laughs> I, I, I know most of them. I'm relatively good at remembering them at a push. I was going to do um, a cheeky Google then, just to see what it was <laughs> and then test you. <laughs> so so yeah so um, specific. Um, the M is always the one that that trips me up. Attainable, realistic, time boxed, measurable. Measurable, again. measurable. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have to have a, you know, and, 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 you know, doing the five types of 5k in 12 weeks is all of those things. Mm-hmm. I've got a time limit. It's, it's realistic. It must be realistic. Thousands of people have done it. Some of them in worse shape than me. So it's got to be possible. Um, but what will happen is mm-hmm. you'll do week one. You'll feel really good about it. You'll manage week two. Something will happen and you don't quite get through week three. So you're already a week late. That's all right. I've still, I gave myself a buffer. I've still got three weeks buffer. Mm. And, and then you, you get to about week five and then you end up repeating a week because it's getting, you know, it's starting to get really hard now. You're yeah. talking 15 minutes in one go. What? <laughs> and then you're sort of like, well, and then all of a sudden it's, well, I'm not, I'm only going to have two weeks mm. left over the time. I may as well. And then it gets easier and easier and easier to just. Yeah put it off, put it off, and it doesn't end up happening. I guess it's when, it's when, and I find this when I, sometimes I go nuts when I run and it's like, you know, there's, there's a big portion of, of, uh, say in a month, there's like, I'll run three nights in the yeah. first week. And then in the second week, it gets two runs. And then in the third week, week, I'm only doing it one night, but, but I'm still running. So I'm still, I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm still, but, but I'm not in the sense that I'm not actually continuing on my yeah. my routine um and then you you end up not running longer than you were running so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's consistency that's the key thing but yeah. i think part of the key thing there is actually about gratification as well mm-hmm. so if i was to say to you you can have this bar of chocolate or your substitute your favorite food now mm-hmm. or you can have this slightly bigger one in a week right and have this one now now, yeah. nine times out of ten, if you're feeling peckish, you're going to, oh, sod it, I'm going to have that now. 
we we can hold we hold a meeting worry about that at the time i'm gonna have this now yeah yeah but yeah. we're, we're, we're relatively hardwired not to see that far into the future. Most people don't think beyond the next week, mm-hmm. necessarily. Long-term planning is not something that humans are good at, um, because our concept of time is very much present and immediate future. Yeah. Um, just the way we're hardwired. Yeah. So, instead of setting that, and I'll, I'll use running as, as the example still, because it, it's something that everybody can relate to, no matter what, you know, developer or what, what role they do. So instead of saying, I'm going to complete the Couch to 5K, I'm going to do it in, in 12 weeks, you, you set a habit. And what you do is you say, do you know what? Forget all this long-term crap. Mm. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to make sure I do 30 minutes running. Okay. That's it. 30, 30 minutes. It could be a slow job. It could be fast walk. doesn't matter. I'm just going to make sure that I find time on those three days a week to do that. That's it. Simple right. as that. And then Monday comes and you actually manage to get your shoes on. You get out the door. Yes, I've done it. Instant gratification. I've completed my goal. Mm. I, if I had a, a check, you know, if I had a list, mm. I could take it off. Mm. Brilliant. Feeling good about that. Wednesday. Do you know what? It's just the one run. I've only, you know, I haven't got this, you know, I've got to do 12 weeks. I've got to do such and such by such and such time. It is just a simple, I've just got to go out and do 30 minutes now. Right. Mm-hmm. So Wednesday, I go out, I manage to motivate myself for that because it's it's a small, easy, manageable thing. Mm-hmm. Job, big tip. Friday mm-hmm. comes around. Well, I manage the other two days. It can't be that bad. Mm-hmm. And it is just a, I'm only focusing on doing that one thing for that little, small length of time. I'm not worried about the fact that it's, you know, 12 weeks worth of pain to get there or anything like that. It is literally a rolling, small wins that are going to slowly build up and build up. Now, if right. you're doing something like 100 days of code, yeah, um, then you know it, it, you can you can use a similar thing. So, 100 days of code. If, correct me if my understanding is wrong, um, because this, this is something that I came to the party rather late on. But my understanding is the idea is that for 100 days, you're going to do a little bit of coding every day. Yeah, and the idea is just yeah. build up a little bit of knowledge, and you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, or something like that. So, so I have a. Uh... I have my own personal view on the hundred days of code um, because you can, you can look at the the hashtag and you can see so many people doing awesome, awesome stuff and they're busting their guts every day doing it. And then you, then you also see a bunch of people who for some reason out of their control, just haven't been able to do it that particular day. And they've been so hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I take a, I take a very sort of backseat, view on this. I think that you can do the hundred days of code without actually writing code. You could listen to a coding podcast. You could read a coding book. You could, you could just think about code. You could design some sort of diagram on the train on your commute. You don't actually physically need to press a button on the keyboard to be a coder. Cause at the end of the day, like, uh, when, when we, when we're, when we're, when we're coding up stuff, we, we read code more than we write code. So, you know, just yep. reading code is an act of coding. Yes, definitely. And also, if we kind of look back to, you know, towards the beginning of the podcast, that comprehension bit does need to be there as well. You do exactly. need to understand these things. So, yeah, I completely agree. And But it's the, re- the reason it should work is because it is using habit setting rather than goal setting. Sure, yeah. All right, you've, you've got this, you're going to do 100 days, but it's it's just a way of forcing you to do a little bit every day. Yeah. 
to get that habit ingrained. And I completely agree with you. You know, don't worry about on a on a Friday evening when you got back from work and it's really hot and you're fed up. Get yourself a, a glass of your favourite tipple. Whack on the How to Kill World podcast. <laughs> Learn about what other people are doing. It's all good learning. It's all good knowledge. Yeah. Um, exactly yeah. the same with you know, you know, read a book. Do you know? Do do a little bit. You know, draw something. Mm, you know, mm, just spend mm. five minutes. Just try and do a tiny bit every day. But don't bust the gun and don't set this long term massive goal. Yeah, but you you shouldn't be doing that anyway because one of the first things you need to learn as a developer mm-hmm. and any developer at all is if you have a large problem. Um, so you know I need to achieve this. Mm. What's the first thing you do as a developer? You break it down into small, easy to manage chunks, and you do those little bits until it builds up to the whole. Yeah. You don't write an entire website from scratch. No. No. Break it down into the small component parts and you build those up yeah. and you use that to then build up. And habit for me, a habit setting is just exactly doing that. It's doing the small steps and celebrating those small steps that are eventually going to get you to your end goal. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's not beat around the bush. There is going to be an end goal there. It's not a case of, you know, there is no, you know, reason, you know, there's, there's, you know, it's just something you, I'm doing ad infinitum. There's a reason and there's an end goal, but it's celebrating those small victories, those small wins. Mm-hmm. And it's a different mindset. So I've actually managed to go to the gym today. Yes. Go <laughs> me. I've managed three times this week. I don't care. Every single day, I've celebrated that a little bit. Yeah. Now, if I've celebrated with a pint and a bar of chocolate, I'm probably not doing much <laughs> help. But, you know, you celebrate the small victories. Um, so- I, yeah, I've, I would also like to say that I, I have seen um, people who, who beat themselves up over on Twitter because they haven't been able to achieve the 100 days of, of code. Um, and then what they do some of them is, is they, is they bunch all the days that they haven't been able to do it on the weekend. And then they, the, and then they bulk, they bulk, basically bulk code. Um, so they and then they burn out yeah. and, 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 and some, I, I, I lurk a lot on Twitter. I'm a bit of a Twitter lurker and I, I kind of go back <laughs> through the timelines and I can see a, like a, a, a repeated pattern. It's like, you know, yeah. this, this is yeah. the same thing you were doing the other week and the same thing you were doing the week before. Um, this isn't, uh, like you said, it's not a smart target. It's, uh, no. It's not, and it's it's not. It's you. You need to not get caught up in this. Um, it's a whole problem with social media, anyway, and we could do probably about five podcasts on that. But it's it's this whole thing, you know, to do with things like imposter syndrome and stuff like that. Mm. Everybody started somewhere. Nobody mm. comes out of the room knowing how to code. Yeah, I, I I may have met two possible exceptions in my entire life, but them aside, the rest of you know, humanity, you, you don't come out with, with the ability to do these things. You are, you know, everybody has to learn. And it, it's how you learn as well. You mm. know, some people learn. I mean, I used to really love reading uh, computer books. Mm. To be fair, I'm that old that there wasn't much choice back then. But, you know, so YouTube wasn't really an option in the same way as it is now, things like that. Now I much prefer to use um, either videos or um, to use things like, um, say, Quick Labs, mm-hmm. where you'll get mm-hmm. written instructions, but it's very hands-on. I'm a very hands-on learner. I've discovered mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. late in life. Um, so all, all the theoretical learning I, I used to do, it, mm-hmm. it just doesn't seem to gel with me as well anymore. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, learning how to be a developer and staying sharp as a developer isn't just about writing code. 
No. It's about understanding new practices, understanding about new ways of doing things, talking to people, mm. understanding people. I mean, if you're if you're doing you know, 100 days of code, one of the first things you're probably doing is trying to think of an idea of something to code. Yep. I get asked really to do that. I chat to people. I get asked this all the time. I was asked this over the weekend. Uh, I, I was I was doing a live stream on Twitch, and someone just came out with, "What application should I build first? Um, and that that is such a common question, such a common question, because it's sort of like you need to have that idea of what to build, um, and then you need to think about how to build it, and then you need to learn the technologies around it, or do you start just learning the technologies? And then somehow build something off the back of it. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very common question. I think, um, personally, I think one of the best applications to build mm-hmm. is a to do application, uh, because then you're, you're looking at your, your, uh, you're exposed to various different types of complexities and problems. So data storage, uh, relational mm-hmm. data, um, the, the view, the controller, the model, all of that kind of thing is encompassing yeah. in, in that. Uh, and at the end of the day, you get something that allows you to, 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 you can use that. You can use that as a to-do app to write to-dos on what you want to learn next. So yeah. it's yeah. not one of these things where you just build something and go, oh, I've built that. I'm never going to use yeah. it. So yeah. you, you have that, that you have that um, desire of wanting to make it good. And I think the other thing that with any first project is you have to understand the domain. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That you Now everybody understands the to-do list. Yeah, you know so that's something that's ubiquitous. Everybody knows and understands what a to-do list is, what it should do. Mm-hmm. You may have some extra fancy things that you want to do with it, like filters, or you know, if you use um, get things done methodology and things like that. There's all yeah. sorts of stuff you can add onto it. Um, but it's, I agree, it's a good starting place. The other thing I would say is scratch an itch. Scratch an itch, definitely. Most, yeah. Um, yeah, most big projects and things like that have come out of someone just scratching an itch, you know, because if you've got this problem, if if there's something that you're thinking that's lacking, the world really needs Mm -hmm. this new widget. I can guarantee at least one or two other people are probably thinking that as well. You'll probably find it's even possibly even more than that. So yes, scratch an itch, find, find a, a problem. One preferably that you understand, because if you don't understand the problem you're trying to solve, Mm -hmm. you're never going to build anything that solves it. Um, because you can, but yeah, um, but yeah, keep it nice and simple, but scratch an itch. Well, um, yeah, I had a great conversation with, um, Stefan Doherty on the podcast on a previous show and he, he was, he learnt programming whilst working in insurance and he was, he was learning to solve the problems that he had very specific niche problems that he was having, but he was using coding to solve those. Yeah. And so he came out with with, with obviously the knowledge of the programming, but also a very efficient tool. And it, and it was that desire and that need and that requirement yeah. to, to do that. That was his, the, one of the drivers. Uh, that, was that was a that was data a, entry. Um, yes. Tool he made, didn't he? To, yeah. To, to, yeah. To, I thought it was amazing, an amazing, um, approach to this. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely fantastic. And scratching an itch. Yeah. It really was. I've got this thing that I'm sure could be, should be better, should be easier. Mm. So do something about it. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. habit tracking, let's get back to that a minute. How do you track this habit? So um, the, well, it's, it should be something that is a, you know, a set thing. So 
I'm going to do 20 days or 20 minutes or something every day mm. or on, on these days I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And then it is a case of just celebrating and making sure that you just do that but every how- day. So set reminders on your phone, for example. So mm-hmm. if I know, um, say, say, I'm, say the gym. So I know I need to go to the gym every day. Um, I'll do things, um, and there are a lot of things you can do to make your life easier with this as well. Mm. But if mm. I know I'm doing Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, I'm going to the gym. Mm. Set a certain alarm before I leave in the morning that says, "Don't forget your gym bag." Mm-hmm. I'll make sure my gym is in the car then. Mm. Um, one of the things that's, I actually genuinely idea. did when I looked for a gym mm. was make sure it was between work and home, so that I could I would literally have to drive past it yeah. on my way home. And consciously make the decision oh, not to go in there. That's good. Now, see, if I'd gone home first, yeah, huh? I'd have got home and sat down and thought, oh, do you know what? I'll do it tomorrow instead. It's easier. But if I'm driving past it on my way home, it's so much easier to just pop in, oh, that's do clever. that, and get home. It's um, and these are that's an important thing for anything that you're trying to change. Any anything you're trying to change habit wise in your life, make it easier to do the thing than not do the thing. So mm, mm, crow about it as well a bit on social media. Mm, Make sure it's something that's manageable. So don't put yourself into a position where you're doing something that is almost impossible or is really difficult to keep up mm-hmm. and then try and get peer pressure to force you into doing something you're not enjoying, that you're having trouble keeping up because that's going to have the reverse effect. But if it is something simple like, you know, I'm doing, I'm going to make sure I do something for 20 minutes related to development. Mm-hmm. So it could be listening to the podcast or doing watching YouTube tutorials or mm-hmm. sitting down and sketching out what an interface might look at, or even just writing down a list of things you might be able to do and, you know, just thinking about them. And this is the thing, it could be, you could just be sat down thinking about, well, what amp could I write? 20 minutes doing that. That's development. Yeah. How mm. much time do we spend thinking about what to name things, how to implement something, how we're going to solve a problem? You know, it's all part and parcel of this industry. You know, these, these are key skills you're going to have to have going forward. Yeah. They're all, they're all valid yeah. skills. They're valid things to do. Yeah. So so do that. But I think make it easy to do mm-hmm. and set yourself reminders that you need to do them. So there's no excuse of, oh, I forgot. You know, if your phone goes off and says, don't forget you're going to the gym this evening, you've got no excuse to not have your gym kit in the bag. I, I'll be honest, I tend to, when I get home, I, t- I repack my bag and put it in straight away the following day. So it's always in the back of the car. Um, but yeah, and then, and I believe there's, there's quite strong science that shows that after about six weeks of doing something regularly, mm. it will actually start to become a habit anyway, and you'll automatically start to think to, to do those things. So, so if, if you manage for about six to seven weeks of always going to the gym, yeah. the chances are you will actually start to think about that automatically without even necessarily realizing it. So you may find that one day you've you've planned, I'm not going to the gym this week. And if you've been doing it regularly for a year, every so often, you know, you'll end up going, oh, no, I shouldn't have gone down this road. Um, I don't know if you've ever had that when you've moved house. You've lived somewhere for years and years and years. You drive home and you have to, for the first few weeks, you have to think yeah. Don't go that way. Go this way. Otherwise, you end up parked outside your house thinking, "Hang on a minute." It becomes muscle memory. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and and this is this is one of the key things why you're doing it as a habit. Mm-hmm. It it's, it becomes muscle memory. It becomes mm-hmm. that ingrained. I always do it. I always do this. Mm-hmm. You know why? Why do you go to always go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Well, I've always done it. You know, it's, it becomes that. It becomes wrong and not doing it. 
yes, you start to, uh, you know, you go off on holiday and think, oh, I should be in the gym now. Yeah. Or, you know, you, or, or you actually go out for a run in the middle of London, even though you're supposed to be having a fantastic holiday or <laughs> the Bahamas or wherever you happen to be. Actually running on the beach, finding out that, you know, running on sand, it really is hard. Yeah, yeah, I've done All that, that before. All that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so th- 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 those, those are the key things. Make it easy and set yourself reminders, alarms to make sure you start doing it. Okay. And okay. be realistic about what you can achieve as well. Don't get into this mindset that I have to – you know, you know, I, I have to be coding to code or I have to do this, that, and the other. Mm. Be easy on yourself. Ease yourself in gradually. Because mm. the other thing you can always do is you can always build it up. So you could say, do you know what? I'm going to initially, my habit, you know, what habit am I going to set? I'm going to make sure I go for a walk for half hour every day. Mm. You know, I'm not going to go into a full run. I'm just going to make sure that after tea or after a certain program or a certain gap in whatever's going on, I'm just going to get my backside up off the couch and go for a walk for a half hour. Job done. Mm-hmm. And then you can slowly build on that. So you can, you know, you can, you can then, you know, either change slightly or increase frequency or things like that. But celebrating the small wins and doing small incrementals rather than that. Yeah. Involved is yeah. a lot more uh, attainable and you'll find it's more likely to stick. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess it's it's very tempting to 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 make these broad goals and 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 uh, okay. try and shoot for the stars. Everyone says you know you know um, to do all that stuff, but uh, you 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 have to get quite granular when you're actually trying yeah. to change your own habits and stuff, and you have to do all sorts of things to trick yourself as well. Like yeah. I remember. Uh, this was going back a few years now. I gave up chocolate. I think it might have been for Lent or something. Something daft. I I decided <laughs> that for some reason I wanted to give up chocolate. And I put all the chocolate that was given to me, because for some silly reason I decided to do it over the Easter thing. So we had lots of chocolate. And I think it even went over a portion of Christmas or what have you. We put all the chocolate in a shoebox and we put the shoebox, we shut the shoebox, we put a cell, uh, we put sellotape on the shoebox and we yeah. put it at the top of the kitchen cupboard, which meant that in order to get the chocolate down, we would have to get a chair to stand on the chair, to pull down the box, to undo the sellotape. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's almost, it's what you were saying about driving past the gym. Y- yeah. You put yourself in a very guilty mindset. If you pick up, a, 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 if you get a chocolate bar from that box, cause you have to do so much stuff in order yeah. to achieve that. Um, and it was sort of, when we were given the chocolate and we had to put it in the box, that was sort of like really difficult because you were constantly aware of the chocolate that was available. Um, so yeah. that was the hardest part. Um, but you ended up with just this this mountain of chocolate and you didn't really know what to do with it. I think we gave a lot of it away. Uh- yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, I'm going to show my age something chronic now, but there was a a, um, a film, The War of the Roses. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Danny DeVito. No, I haven't, no. Kathy Turner and um, Michael Douglas. So the Danny DeVito plays a lawyer, and mm. it's um, Kathleen Turner and uh, Michael Douglas are a couple. Right. They're getting divorced, and they're at war, and mm. it's comedy. Um, it's, it's quite a funny thing. But on um, the key thing is on Danny DeVito's character's desk mm. is a nice little Perspex box with a cigarette in. Right. And it's his last cigarette. So it's the last cigarette from the packet, and as long as he doesn't smoke that, he's not going to smoke anymore. 
that was his way of doing a similar thing to you with the chocolate. I see. And then yeah. about halfway through the film, it gets too much that he just throws it on the small and smokes it. But that's that same idea as to, you know, if I don't have that one last thing or I don't, you know, if I make it difficult to have that thing, mm-hmm. I'm not, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how you can fool yourself because obviously the easiest solution to that is, well, I'll go down the shop and get some, then I don't have to climb up and undo the sellotape. But oh, yeah. it is yeah. it's about, but it is falling your brain into thinking, well, you know, that's, you know, I don't want to do that behavior. Therefore, I'm going to make it more difficult to do or easier to do the other behavior. Yes. And therefore, you'll go to do that. It's the path of least resistance. Another good development technique as well. Yeah. So make it easy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Is there is there any other techniques that one can can look at in order to uh, to improve their personal development? Um, yeah, there's, there's two more that I think are, are, are quite interesting. Um, one of which is um, responsible, uh, allegedly, according to uh, a lot of articles I've read, um, for the formation of Amazon itself. Okay. So it's obviously quite a good one. Right. Um, so it's it's cool. It's a fantastic title. It's called the Regret Minimization Framework. <laughs> wow. It's a fantastic title, and it is so, so simple. Regret Minimization. So, okay. The okay. Regret Minimization Framework. So okay. the, the, the simple way it goes, and I'm sure um, that you and a lot of freelancers can probably relate to this um, in the way um, – Jeff Bezos used it originally. So the the question was, do I, for him, the question was, do I quit my job, mm-hmm. you know, my salary, I've got my house to feed, mm-hmm. and do I take a chance on doing something with this new internet monarchy that's coming mm-hmm. on the screen? Um, so he used this, this, um, this framework, and it's very simple. You say, in five years' time, because five years is something you can kind of comprehend. You know, what's what's what am I going to wanting to be doing in five years? It's something you can get your head around to an extent. Which am I going to regret more? Having tried to do something with internet and failed, or not having tried at all? Right. And yeah. the answer to that is simple. So, whatever you're going to regret more, having done or not done, then that's the one you do because that's. You want, what you're trying to do is minimize regret. You don't want to get to your deathbed because there are so many people on their deathbed mm. who say, I wish I'd done this, I mm-hmm. wish I'd done that, I mm-hmm. wish I'd done something else. So if if something is something you really feel that if you were at that point you would regret not doing, do it. If it's something you know you would regret doing, don't do it. That's a very so, – yeah, it, I definitely it, I definitely relate to that. It's, it's a very difficult to accept – Right, because you have to really like nail down the regrets, and and then you have to really think about like, you know, am I really going to be regretting this, or is this something that, how long term is this goal? Is this something that I can just do in the next few weeks, or is this something that I need to do in the next five years? And then you know, the bigger the thing, the more planning is involved, yeah. and then the more investment you have to put in, and it, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, it it is it, it's a, it's a very rewarding uh, process because you you're you're reflecting on where you are now and you're reflecting mm-hmm. on where you want to be in the future. The, um, reflecting in where you that doesn't make sense, but you're you're kind of thinking I'm here now. This is this is where mm-hmm. I am, but yeah. this isn't where I want to be. And the reason why yeah. I don't want to be here is because I'm having this 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 conversation with myself right now. Right. So something needs to change, and then you're like, well. 
in five years time, where should I be in 10 years time? Where would I want to be? And then work backwards. One -hmm. thing I did, um, uh, when I, when I, uh, started going freelance or when I was thinking about going freelance is I, I'm sure there is a word for this. I'm sure there is a methodology for this, but I have, I can't remember it. Uh, I think I saw it on a, on a YouTube video somewhere. Um, and this is to draw out a triangle, right? So you have a, you draw out a triangle and then you split it into portions. So you draw horizontal lines. Um, and I think there was like three lines. So you, you, you split it up into three portions. The bottom portion is obviously the biggest portion and the top portion is the smallest portion. So that the top portion is like the, the ultimate goal. And then the middle portion is where you would like how you can get to that point. And the biggest portion is all this micro things you can do in order to get to the second portion. And then the second portion will be all the things that you need to do to get to the last bit. Um, It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes there's more than three, you know, you can make this triangle as big as it, as you, as you want. Um, But it it kind of forces you to acknowledge that um, you need to do a lot of small things first before you do the bigger things. So I kind of did that. And that was, yeah, I I went through all sorts of things, uh, you know, just accepting the fact that I wanted to be a freelancer and where I was at the time wasn't, wasn't where I wanted to be. And there was a lot of sort of like self reflection. Um, and I think that's really important to, to have. And then once you get, you get bitten by that bug of where I am, isn't where I want to be, you know, then you start thinking about, well, what can I do to achieve all of these things? Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of leads into a, a bit with the habit setting where you have to think of your goal and break it down. And that's, you know, as developers, mm. that's what we do. Mm-hmm. You know that, you know, the whole is made up of loads of mm. constituent parts. So let's tackle those one at a time. And that can help sometimes when you're feeling a bit overwhelmed by something as well. Yeah. I, I'm not saying that this is a, you know, is it, this is a cure for, uh, you know, anxiety or depression or anything like that. Not by a long chalk. But if you, if you're, if you're looking at an insurmount, what seems to be an insurmountable problem, mm. try and break it down into smaller bits. So, you know, I want to achieve this. Well, that's a massive goal. Well, if I just achieve this and then once I've done that, I can do this other bit. Yes. And then I can maybe do this. And then, as you know, I'm already halfway to where I want to be. And then, you know, yes, yeah. it's, it's like you, you can't you can't go from Cheltenham to London unless you map out your route. Sure, and it's the same thing. You cannot go. You know, you cannot get to where you want to be. Uh, a unless you know where you are. Yes, and that's, it's, that's that self reflection there. Yeah, and yeah. understand what's missing. Yeah. You know? if, Again, uh, I would say that it's, um, if, if I was talking about business head on, you're talking about gap analysis and critical path analysis. Mm-hmm. So gap analysis is literally where are we now? Mm-hmm. Where do you need to be? What are the gaps that we need to fill in? Mm-hmm. Critical path analysis is right. Which bits do we genuinely need to do to get there? And which is, and what's fluff? You yes. might do some of the fluff on the way there, but it's the right. These are the steps that I, I absolutely have to do to get there, mm. and these are the fluffy bits. Some of which might make it a bit easier, so I might incorporate them. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. The, yeah. And the beauty of that triangle was that when you when you think of the big goal, the ultimate goal, um, because there's only a smaller portion at the top, you you don't have enough room to write every little thing. So you have to be very abstract. 
And then the more you work down the triangle, the more room you've got to to work with and the more detailed you can become. Um, And then, and then once, you know, you take a step back and you look, yeah, there's actually loads of little goals that I need to achieve before I actually get to that point. Um, And then that becomes more realistic. Um, And then you can start working habits through to actually achieve those things. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And celebrating them as well. Yeah. Celebrate the little goals. Celebrate yeah. the little wins. Because yeah. it, it all adds up and it makes you feel better all along the way. Because mm. if you're waiting until you've achieved that, you know, you've, until you've actually climbed Everest yes. before you're going to celebrate, yes. you know, that's a long wait and a lot of work for no payoff. It is. Whereas yeah. if you're going to celebrate, you know, I got to base camp. Yes, I've managed to get to stage one. Fantastic. If you're celebrating those those wins. A, you, you feel like you've achieved something already. Mm-hmm. So you've got that rolling sense of achievement. It's yeah. not that, oh, you're not focusing on, my God, I've got the rest of the mountain to climb. Yeah. You're focusing, my goodness, I've already climbed this bit. It's fantastic. Yes. And that's going to help as well with dealing with the fact that it's possibly a mammoth task that you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, with, with the re- regret minimization framework, it is all about understanding you know, what is, and it makes you evaluate what's actually important to you. Yeah. Because if you're going to regret something or you feel that you're going to really regret something, there has to be a reason for that. Sure. So there has to be some sort of driver that leads you to feel that that's something that's going to make you happier, um, wealthier, better at your job, whatever it is that your, your, you know, your need is. Mm-hmm. And return dollars. So, you know, it's... You know, it's. It, I think I, I think it's quite an interesting and quite a fun one. Yeah, um, but it, I think it's useful for those, or partly useful for those big, um, life-changing decisions you have to make. Yeah. Um, and yeah. there's another technique, um, that is probably even more relevant, um, to um, uh, to uh, people like you and myself that have done big life-changing things before. It's not a technique I've used. Yet I'm still only finding out about it, but I, I think it's definitely worth people looking into, and that's called fear setting. So this is taking goal setting and completely turning it on its head. Right, right. So um, the the general idea behind fear setting. So I've heard about this via uh, TED Talk, um, and I'll give you uh, details of um, the main article about it, so you can link to it in the show yeah, notes if anybody's interested. Um, it's, it's a, it is an interesting um, read, and it's a very, very interesting idea. But the, the, the basis of it is that you have something that you're worried about doing that you think would – you might think it would be good, but it ter- the thought of it terrifies you. Mm-hmm. So from the point of view of the person um, that, that's, um, that was doing the TED Talk, they, they had a business, successful business in the States, and they were offered the, the chance to go and stay – in London in the UK for a couple of months. And although they realized it would probably be good for them, um, for their mental health, because um, so, they hadn't had a, a holiday for a couple of years because they're building the, the company, um, and you know, they, they'd be able to see wonderful things, mm-hmm. um, he was absolutely terrified about the sport, and he had all of these irrational fears about what to do. So, you know, it, it was like, Oh my goodness! The the, the the tax man might try to contact me, and I don't respond, and therefore the company goes under, or they take the company off me, or I get to London, it just rains all the time because after all it is the UK, um, and you know, loads of it's kind of irrational feels, but they obviously they were irrational um, to him. Mm-hmm. So what he did was he actually sat down and worked out 
and wrote down on, on, on paper every fear that he had about what could happen. So it was a, um, so there was the, what if I re- receive a letter from the tax man mm-hmm. and I don't respond? Or what happens if it rains all the time? And then he wrote down things he could do. You know, what's the worst case and what could he do to mitigate that? So misses, misses a call from, um, the tax man. Um, then the worst, worst case is he might get a fine or possibly a jail sentence. You know, so really, really, what is the absolute, absolute worst that can happen? And then how can I mitigate that? Well, mm. I could give them my accountant's address and he'll know how to contact me. So if anything comes through, he can deal with it. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, you know, he's unmitigated that fear. So that becomes an, a relative non-issue. What if it rains all the time? What's the worst that's going to happen? Well, I'm, I'm going to feel really depressed and drab, dreary and horrible mitigation well i made sure i got enough money on my credit card so i can book a ticket to spain yeah yeah <laughs> no simple things so yeah. it was going through working out these you know facing up to and working out what these fills were fears mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. and then working out mitigation strategies or even it could be that there's this massive fear what's the worst that could happen so uh, you know taking an example that quite a few people will uh, be able to relate to your in a disco, in a nightclub, at a bar, some sort of social setting, you see a person that you think, oh, I'd like to uh, to get to know them better. Do you go and ask them out? What's the worst that can happen? They could say, sorry, I've already, you know, I'm already attached, I'm not interested. No, I don't want another drink. Mm-hmm. And you get a bit of rejection. That's it. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you actually sit down and think about it logically. You know, that's not that bad. You're still going to be alive. You're still going to be breathing. Obviously, if you come on with a particularly bad line, you might get slapped. But, you know, <laughs> if you're, you're nice and friendly and, 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 and they just say no, most people will let you down gently, then then you know. Um, but that's the worst that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, it was the yeah. same with me for public speaking. I was always terrified of, you know, talking in front of people when I was younger. Mm. And then... Um, I'm sure we've mentioned this on a previous podcast. So, um, so I had uh, what we shall call the incident. Um, <laughs> go back to the previous podcast if you want to find out what that is. Um, and you know, I realised that the worst that could happen if, is I make a mistake, and you know, maybe they laugh. Mm. You know, mm. I'm still here. Mm. You know, I'm, 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 I'm honestly, I'm not bitter about it. Mm. So, um, so you know, and it is if you confront your fears. Yes. And you start to work out how to mitigate them. Yes. Things yes. aren't so scary. And all of a sudden, that big, terrifying, life-changing you know, decision suddenly isn't quite so bad. Sure. Suddenly, maybe this is possible. Maybe this is practical. As it happens, um, the gentleman who was doing the TED Talk stayed in the UK for a year. Yeah. <laughs> Travelled to Europe. So, you yeah. know, so that I'm worried about being away for two months. He ended up being away for a year. Mm-hmm. Business is, was never doing, you know, it's never done better. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely fine. He had a time of his life and really helped him reevaluate his life full stop. Mm-hmm. But had he not sat down and worked through and confronted his fears, then he, you know, he, he would never have taken that chance and he wouldn't have got the outcome that he wanted to. Sure, sure. It's not to say that you're always going to be able to completely mitigate it and things don't, no. you know, won't turn into possibly a disaster. But if you've got plans in place to deal with that, mm-hmm. then, you know, you, you can you can help to lessen the impact. And, you know, maybe so, for example, if you're thinking, am I going to quit my, my job and you know, go freelance or get into this web development gig and things like that? 
you know, what's the worst that can happen? Well, you know, I could not get any work for a few months. How do I mitigate that? Well, I can financial buffer or I can, you know, get another job or, you know, maybe I'll, I won't go in two, with two feet. I'll actually just do a bit mm-hmm. on evenings and weekends just to get, you know, just to get my toe in the water, mm-hmm. see how this gig actually works and then slowly build up. And maybe I could talk to my company about doing fewer hours and, you know, slowly transitioning and things like that. There are always going to be ways that you can think that you may be able to mitigate these things. Sure. If you can't, then yeah. it's probably something you shouldn't consider doing anyway. Yeah. When, when, um, when I went freelance, um, that was a massive, uh, life changing, uh, decision because I went from a very stable, um, comfortable salary. Um, and it was, it was a, it was a challenge because it was like, you're proving now your worth. You're, you're putting your name out there. You've got a brand, you're building a brand, you know, and you only have yourself to blame if it goes wrong, right? Because you are the only one who's doing this thing. Um, and one of my biggest fears, which was, which seems stupid right now, but one of my biggest fears was not being able to afford dinner, right? Just buying general groceries, which I suppose is, is, is rational, right? But over a, a long period of time, you know, because I, because I wasn't sure how long I needed to have a, have a buffer, um, yeah. in doing this. I had a, I had a, a, a financial buffer because I was put, I created a, a bank account and I started putting money into there, you know, every, every so often. So that was yeah. fine. That was good. Um, but in terms of just general food, right. So, and this, this does sound daft, but what I ended up doing was, was I, was I, after we, made a meal, we ended up freezing portions of the meal and putting it in the freezer. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I made myself say a, a couple of months worth of food. Our freezer at that time was chocker block with things like curries and um, uh, spaghetti bolognese and all sorts of pasta dishes and all of that crazy stuff. Um, yep. And it, 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 I was able to visually see these things and in my head, mm-hmm. that was a way of me controlling. It was like, well, I have, you know, a couple of weeks here of, of, of not having any money. So this, or I've got a couple of weeks of food here. So if I don't have any money for those kind of weeks, I can just eat this kind of stuff. Um, and, um, that was me trying to make a control over this extremely huge unknown thing. And I must say, um, for, for full disclosure, there was a, a period of time when I did go, you know, at the start where it was dry, um, because you were at the, you know, the beginning stages of, of going a full-time freelancer. I was, I did a lot of freelance stuff whilst I was full-time employed, but it wasn't enough to carry the, the, you know, to carry me through. Um, and uh, it was trying to make, trying to mitigate that gap, trying to make that gap smaller. Um, so yeah, we did, we did, we did freezing of the food. Uh, we did the bank, the whole bank account thing, which you know is was such a good idea. Um, and also another thing I did was was um, I invested in technology for the business um, before actually going full time, um, yeah. which meant that which meant that, um, and it was boring stuff. It was like backup hard drives and it was, you know, a couple of screens here and there. It wasn't anything like, uh, you know, any kind of sexy technology. It was just things that you, and a printer, you know, all of those kind of boring things that business needs to have, but I didn't want to buy them when I didn't have anything coming in. 
So, so I, I, I kind of rationed my salary, um, mm-hmm. bought a bunch of their stuff, gave myself a, a buffer, and then sort of I tried to limit the risk as much as I possibly could do. I was still extremely scared uh, <laughs> to, to take the jump. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can well imagine. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, if anyone's thinking of doing it, it's certainly worth it, I think. Um, if you, the thing is, when you get, like I said, when you've got that sort of bug and it's sort of like itching at you, it's bugging you, I want to be freelance, I want to be somewhere else in my career, um, you can't get away from that. You can't, you know, th- that is something that you, you can't regret. Um, so you kind of need, you, you, you owe it to yourself to, to uh, put these things in place. Um, you owe it to yourself to try, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. If, if it doesn't work out, then there's always, you know, there, there's always the option of going back into full-time employment. It's, you know, or, or something like that. But um, like you said, if you plan and you, you, you try to cover all the angles that you can do, yeah, uh, then you know, there's, there is, you know, certainly in this industry, there's more than enough work out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly possible mm-hmm. uh, to do. I think I was more worried about personal failure than I was worried about, uh, you know, the financial aspects, all the things that I could write down as things that I would be fearful of. I was more fearful of personal failure, um, of, of not being able to do it. And so I wanted to give myself as much, um, uh, things to help me on the, to start with. Um, and so what I did is I wrote down all the things that are pretty much like this. I, I wrote down all the things that I was scared about. Um, mm-hmm. and then I tried to put plans in place. Um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't realize it was called fear setting, but, uh, yeah. I guess it kind of was. Yeah. I don't know where that, uh, if that moniker has come directly from, um, the article in the Ted talk, um, that spawned from it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it is about working out it's it's disaster planning really um at a, at a, at a level yeah uh, just a bit more formalized where you what's the worst that can happen how do we get around that yeah um so yeah and and again that's something that's used a lot in the industry as well yeah yeah you know, disaster recovery planning and things like that so um but yeah it, it is it's one of those things when you actually sit and think rationally about fears and then start to work out mitigations. They suddenly don't seem as scary. Um, and you know, you're planning, do planning, planning, and you go into things yeah. with your eyes open. Yeah, there's no reason not to. You know, do the big move to Germany and Mac and things like that. And I've done all. Yeah, you know, you've done some really big stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the stuff yeah, that so- the stuff that you've done, the moves and stuff. There, there is, um, there is so many unknowns to that. Oh goodness, yes. It's um, I mean, changing job is one thing, but changing mm. job and knowing that you're going to another country as well, yeah, with different um, ways of doing things. Um, it's you know, it's your first language isn't the the language it's that's spoken there anymore. Mm. You know, which which why you know I've got um, all the time and respect for anybody that's. Uh, that's moved across here um, mm. to take an upper role. Mm. Um, so we're, you know, we're quite lucky at, at Torpedo. We've got um, people from a number of, of different uh, countries. In fact, I've, to be fair, I've been lucky throughout my career. I've, I've always worked with people from very diverse backgrounds, um, which I find interesting, um, you know, talking to people, you know, cultures and, and things like that, and just their attitude towards things. 
uh, can make for um, a very interesting and enlightened environment to work in. Mm. Uh, rather than you know, having cookie cutter exactly the same types of uh, employee all the time. Um, but yeah, it's um, it certainly is. But um, you know, sometimes you know, sometimes you got to do it because it's what's you know, it's what you need to do for yourself. Sometimes you have to do it because it's what's right for um, those around you as well. Of course. So you know, certainly um, as we've discussed before, you know, one of one of the moves was. Um, as much about family as it was about us. So, um, and you know, again, there's also, you know, that, that, although I didn't know about the name of it at the time, that regret, regret minimization framework did come into it. You know, what am I going to regret more? You know, you know, staying here or moving to Germany? And the same when we came back, which am I going to regret more staying in Germany or coming back to the UK? Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, you know, you, you, that has to play into there, you know, what, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on now. What's my future? Hold? What What do I want out of life? What's you know what the key thing there? Yeah. But I think all, all all of these you know techniques for personal development they all come down to that one thing. It's it's being able to get you from where you are to where you want to be. And you know there are 101 different techniques, and the the different techniques may not work for you. So you may find that you're the sort of person where you know the the, the habit um, setting um, isn't right for you. You need that goal setting. You need to have that long term. I need to aim for here. Um, or likewise, you, you may find that, that fear setting just isn't you know, the right thing for you. And there are loads of other tools out there and loads of other techniques that you can find to do things. And at the end of the day, they all break down into a very simple, basic rule of knowing where you are, yep. knowing yep. where you want to be, and coming up with a plan to get there, but a plan that helps you mm-hmm. and a plan that works for you. And knowing yourself is, is a key um, a key part of all of those things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Self-discovery is a whole other podcast. As Self-discovery. Well. Yeah. Yeah. We should do one on that. I think that's good. Um, and I guess these things can, you can, you can, I don't want to say scale them down, but I, you know, you can change these, these are, we, we've, we've done a lot of uh, talk about like life changing things, but you can mm-hmm. actually use these principles for projects, like just, of just course. building things. Yeah. Because your end goal would be, you know, to a deliverable. This project is going to go to production. This is going to go live. Mm-hmm. But then you yeah. you break down those, yep. and and I guess the habit stuff could be you could set that on personal projects. So yeah. if you've got an idea for a personal project and nobody's paying you yet, because you know this, this is something that you you're just doing on the side, um, mm-hmm. something that that uh, the motivation is you doing it um, because yeah. either you want to learn a technology or because it's going to make something more efficient. Um, or maybe you're, you want to write a series of blogs over a portion of, uh, of whatever, whatever your project is. Um, mm-hmm. the habits are, you know, how do you, how do you do that? How, how do you, um, do that in a way that, uh, you know, you, you give that time to do, you know, you, you mentioned about packing your bag with uh, the gym kit in. It's sort of like, what are the tricks that you can make to make, to, 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 to put those things in motion, the reminders on your phone, you know, spending an hour here and there. I've got a project that I'm doing. Um, it's a, it's a personal project. Um, and I, I did it like I, I built it um, half baked last year mm-hmm. and uh, I opened it up um uh, two weeks ago. And I thought, oh my God, who on earth wrote this mess? Um, 
And, <laughs> and then I was like, well, none of this, this has got any unit tests and none of this has got any sort of any level tests on. So, um, I can't, I don't know whether or not it, everything works. I can refresh the pages and I can, it was an API. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know like the nuts and bolts of all this stuff. So what I've tried to do over the course of several evenings is try and write little unit tests around this thing because it will end, it'll give me confidence. I'm not building the thing out. I'm not adding more features to it. Uh, I need to give my, get myself a level of confidence of my own code before I actually do that. But because, because these tests are very tiny and small, um, as as tests should be, um, I'm able to do like five in the evening, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, after work, I just do five tests. Uh, And then before you know it, you've got a whole suite of tests and then you've got a a system in place. This is my hope anyway, um, that, that then you can start building the features on that you wanted to, uh, work on in the first place. Um, but it was kind of my way of kind of getting back into the code. Um, yeah, that's just a random story, but, uh, of, of, of me trying to, to build some habit in. So every, every evening I'll just put a little, do, do five tests. That's it. Yeah, just improve it a little bit. Just improve it a little bit. They've got black box tests, black box tests ready so that you, when you adjust anything in the code, you know, it still does what it was doing before. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I've got like yes. notebooks of things, of ideas that I would like this API to do, but mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like a, if I, if I looked at those note, that notebook, it would be like a kid in a candy shop. It'll be like, oh, I could do this. I could do that. And then I'll end <laughs> up spending like a month building it um, sort of on the commute or something. And then yeah. um, I'll, I'll think about doing something else and I'll add something else to that. And before I know it, it'll be this untested mess. And then I'll drop it for a year like I've done. And then I'll come back to it again and I'll be in the same problem. So I kind of need to draw a line under the sand and, and go, right, I need to test what I've done. And in, and in doing that, I need to do like five tests a night. Um, yeah. and then, and then hopefully within say a month or so, it will be at a point where I can actually look at these features. So that's kind of like my goal is like to build out these features. But before I do that, I need to actually make it have some sort of level of confidence of what I've already done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's about doing those small little steps as well. It's not yeah. right. I'm going to write, I'm going to complete I'm going to write all the tests for this week. Sure. A little bit of time and celebrate the wins. Yeah. Yeah. I've got the test passing. Well, right. the, the, the feed, the, 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 yeah, the small gratification, the feedback is when yeah. I run the unit tests and I can yeah. see the number of unit tests increasing yeah. and the code coverage increasing too. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's sort of like, you know, the group, the, when you run code coverage, you get like red and amber and then full green. So mm-hmm. I want to try and, I mean, getting a hundred percent code coverage is, 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 um, certainly not a, a way of, of making sure that the code is a hundred percent bug free because the code is never a hundred percent bug free. Um, mm-hmm. but I would like to get it at least 80% or mm-hmm. 70% perhaps at the moment. Yep. It's like, you know, 20. <laughs> But this is the thing you'll see the, the obviously you see the increment every time. You do. All of a sudden, yeah. You know, all of a sudden that twenty has gone from thirty, and you know a couple of weeks later, before you know it, you're almost at forty percent, and mm-hmm. and that's the thing. It will it will slowly, and it, it's like anything in this industry. All these things will slowly build up to mm-hmm. make the whole thing. Yeah. You know, everything is all broken down into you know, tiny bits. Um, we're back to um, comprehension versus competency. We yeah. are. Yeah, we've done uh, a full circle. <laughs> a full circle, which is quite nice. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, on that note, Jeremy, is there anything else that you want to mention uh, in today's podcast? Um, there was there was just one thing I, I was going to say, sure. um, and that's um, you. I'm, I'm assuming you know uh, Scott Adams, the guy who writes Dilbert. Uh, yes. Well, not personally, yeah. but yes. So he's quite, um, he does a lot of blogging about around the subject of, of a lot of things, hmm. um, one of them being uh, personal development. And he wrote a book a while ago now called How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big. Um, okay, that's an awesome title. That's, that's, yeah, and there are a lot of good tips in there for, hacks for personal development so things like you know that's why i got the idea of making sure that the gym is between the house and the home because mm. it's easier to go to the gym mm. yeah. and these things about make it easy for yourself mm. and, you know, a lot of other tips in there so anybody who's who wants to you know want, want something that's easily accessible you know, it's got his normal humor as well it's, it's quite a light a light touch read but there are some really nice good gems in there so that you know if, if anybody's looking for a, an easy in to the world of personal uh, you know, self-development, personal development, that sort of thing, um, then that might be something that um, might strike a chord with some other people as well. Yeah, I'll look that out and I'll put a link in the show notes because uh, I think that's uh, that'll be that'll be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, it kind yeah. of it kind of goes well with this topic. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Well, how can people reach you, Jeremy? What's the what's the Twitter handle? Um, so it's at for seventy four. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, that should be bound for 74 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they can do that. Um, obviously, I'm assuming everything will be in the show notes as usual. Oh, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> show notes and well, on the howtocodewell.fm uh, website yes. as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you ever so much, Jeremy, for coming on. It was a pleasure speaking with you, um, as always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And thanks ever so much, everyone, for watching on the YouTubes and listening on the podcasts. I'll see you again next time. Happy coding, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Bye.